Hello and welcome to the CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin, and I'm joined as I am every week by the smuggest man in America, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you. Thank you very much. I work very hard for that. Um, actually, this week I have got a lot of comments that my Halloween costume was very telling about how I see myself here. I, I was a little disappointed that you didn't... I, I assume you were going for a Jerry Lawler kind of well, the, vibe. The king's crown. Yeah. You know, actually, I've always regretted... I had the chance one time to buy one of Jerry Lawler's crowns. Oh, wow. And it was completely authentic. It was like 200 bucks. I should have bought it. I should have sprung it. for it. And it was actually an uh, old wrestling promoter, George Goulas' son, Nick, his wife, or maybe ex-wife, was selling it. But they had the crown, they had the picture and all that. I've always regretted not buying that. There's some things you see at yard sales you'll always regret not buying. I regret not that buying that. That was a yard that. sale fund? Oh, yeah, yard oh, sale. Uh, so I'll always regret not having that particular that, item. Yeah. Because that would have topped off my outfit perfect. Well, and there would never be, you'll never find another one. Like, no. that was it. Yeah, that, that was my shot, and I missed my shot. I do think from now on, though, when you goof up the intro... Instead of stopping, you should try to recover. Because uh, like today, you said, welcome to the cigar shop. And this is the cigar cast. Yeah. <laughs> you, I think from now on, you should have to keep going. I've, I, I have done that a few times. Uh, I, I, but it was it was one of those things that it would just, it came out so naturally, and I didn't realize I had messed it up for about half a beat. And by that point, I had let it sit, and I had to stop it. What's that show, uh, the English show on Discovery Channel, where they rec- rec- redo all the old stuff is it i think it's just called the shop or something like that oh i don't know they got a guy in there that redoes watches and they redo old furniture and all of this stuff it's all the restoration type deal oh very cool and i I do love those restoration shows it's it's a very cool show this is actually very cool i'll have to see what it's called all right but it's from england so they have a lot of different stuff that we don't see around here yeah that they bring in to have refinished and refixed all right So I'm smoking the smallest cigar that I've ever smoked on the show. A local rep came by the store, and I have the Ozinger Bosphorus. And this is a 4 by 50 That's a small cigar. In four inches of cigar, can I love it or hate it either one in four inches? I think so. You think I can either fall in love or fall out of love? It's not the size. It's how you smoke it, Shane. Oh, okay. Well, I plan to light it. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, you know, that's, so when the nubs first came out, their whole thing was packing a full cigar's worth of flavor into a very small profile. And, you know, but when you're talking about a 50 ring gauge, once you get into where there's only about four inches, that's when the cigar usually gets to be its best anyway. So I, I don't imagine that you're going to have any issues flavor. Now, you may wish there was more of it. But I, I don't think you'll have any issues trying to get out of it what it's trying to give you. Well, it's the Bosphorus, so naturally I'm going to end up calling it the Bocephus before long. Well, yeah. You, you'd been doing so good so far. But the, the Bosphorus is what they call it. It's from the Ozinger family. Um, Crown Heads is distributing now with the Ozinger family. Yeah. It's Nicaraguan and Honduran, or not Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan and Dominican. Yeah. Um, the rep said it has the same wrapper that the Africa has, and I can see that. I can taste some of that on it, and the wrapper kind of has that same hue as the Africa. So I'm going to smoke this little short cigar and see what I think of it. What are you smoking? 
I am smoking something that I've recently gone back to. And longtime listeners of the show will know that I am a big Oliva fan. But I hardly ever smoke their stuff until I get on a kick. And I'm currently on a kick. So this is the Oliva Serie V. So underrated as a cigar. Now, I am a diehard AJ fan. Everybody knows that that like spice pepper like really and I get that same type of mouthfeel and flavor profile out of this cigar as I do the AJ which you just wouldn't expect and that's kind of what I like about it you know the Siri V Milano has been called the poor man's Padron since it came out and I mean at 16 bucks it's barely a poor man's Padron at this point but the V I is I haven't had a Milano in a long time, but as good as this V is, it makes me want to have one. You know, Oliva is one of those cigar companies that has really good cigars that I just don't smoke very often. Uh, it's probably been close to a year since I smoked an Oliva. And I'll just, something about them, I'm not in no hurry to rush out and grab one. I, I wonder if that's a function of me or the cigar or what, but... If it was a really good cigar, it looks like I would... If it was as good a cigar as it's reputed to be, it looks like I would come after it far more often than I seem to. If that makes any sense at all, if, that, if you can put that together in a coherent thought. I also feel like, to that point, Oliva's one of those that doesn't... There's not a whole... Very few people get rabid about their Oliva fandom. And so, you know, they kind of fade into obscurity a little bit in the humidor. So uh, that may be part of it. It's an Ecuadorian wrapper, so you know I'm on board right there. Nicaraguan binder and filler. Uh, according to their website, it was rated 95 by Aficionado, which I absolutely do believe. Which unfortunately means nothing. Yeah, no. <laughs> It'd be nice to have a actual cigar rating system that that meant something. Would that not be... I mean, because here's the thing. If the lowest you ever rate anything is a 90, then nothing matters. Well, then it ju- then it's just a scale of 1 to 10. Right. And not a very good one at that. No. Yeah, it's... I mean, I have I've seen them give some 80s. So I I knew, I know they'll go they'll dip down into the 80s a bit, but that's about it. But at the same time, we talked about this last week. We very rarely go below a five. But if it deserves it, we do. We do. I mean, if, if it deserves to be a three, I'll give it a three. Yeah. Although the big difference is we have to ba- pay for our cigars. I bet if we started getting them for free, we might rate a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it would be interesting to see. If anybody would like to sponsor the Cigar Cast If anybody wants cigars, to test that theory, yeah. I'm happy to. <laughs> we'll be happy to try it out. And also, moving forward. So last week we began talking about an accessory that I was totally against. The, the Picasso. Sketch, DuPont, yeah. Yeah, sketchings of an eight-year-old, whatever that was. Drawing. Now we're into something that looks like a... This looks like a cigar accessory. Well, I mean, I, I like this too, but they're just... They, they hit very different parts of, of my taste. J.C. Newman ships the American Black Bison Cigar Case. So this, they put three of the American cigars in this Spanish cedar case and wrap it up with black bison leather. You know, I've got a bison leather wallet that I've been carrying now 
three or four years, best wallet I've ever owned. Yeah. I mean, that bison leather is just absolutely there. So it's going to come with the three-finger case. It's a standard three-finger case in black, got red trim. Looks very nice. Comes with three of the American cigars, which are about 20 bucks each. Mm-hmm. And has an MSRP of $350, and the production is limited to 350 cases. So it's going to be hard to get your hands on. Now, the, the cigar blend-wise is a wrapper from the Florida Sun Grown. So something that should be right up your alley. Uh, Binders Connecticut Broadleaf, which is not a leaf you see used for binder very often. Um, And that comes from Connecticut. And then Havana Seed Tobaccos in the filler. It doesn't say... um, Oh, also grown on the Windsor Farm in Connecticut, as well as from Pennsylvania. So it's all American cigar. Well, you and I have smoked the American before. Some some, um, listeners actually sent us some. Right. And all, and I remember liking it then. So here's my question. Is my problem with this, of course, is the price. $350 seems a little high. I would think I could have one of these made for half that. So you said the cigars are about 20 bucks each anyway. But but that was a, a few years ago. So let's let's say they've gone up to 25 by now. So you're only into this whole thing for seventy-five bucks. So that's two seventy-five for the case. For handcrafted buffalo leather, I don't. Yes, it's expensive. I don't think it's outrageous. I don't think it's outrageous, but I think if I said, "Oh, I absolutely want a buffalo hide three-finger case," I think I would probably go a different route. Than yeah, this. you'd find a different one. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is not that this is, looks bad, but. It just, I, I think they're trying to trade a little bit on the name here. Yeah, I get that. But they'll have no trouble selling them. No, no, for problem. sure. Especially only 350. They'll be sold out in, a, in half a day. Oh, yeah. So, from News Herald Business. I uh, have no idea where they are, so I don't know whose side they are. Robusto Cigar Bar and Bistro brings trifecta of signature items to table. All right, I read this article and I couldn't make any sense out of it. What did you come up with? It's just a, an interest piece for a local business. So, Robusto Cigar Bar is, and again, yeah, I don't know where this is either. Dearborn. Uh, so, Deer- it must be Michigan. Yeah. Um, so, so, they're on the opponent side stealing their scores. They are. Um, so, this is actually about their second location. So, they had one in Sterling Heights, and this is, uh, this is in, in Dearborn now. Um, the idea is that it's not just an upscale cigar lounge, but also a restaurant or a bistro. So you're getting, you know, light plates, nothing, you know, you're probably not going to get a steak, although you might get, um, you know, steak frites or something like that. But I really love the idea of bringing this side of cigar smoking and really dining out back. I like the idea of it. I don't know how viable it is. Well, they're open a second location, so it must be doing all right. Must be working on some level. Well, I think the geography plays a, a factor here too. You know, we're talking Upper Michigan, where you know you only smoke outside for maybe three months out of the year, comfortably. Right. 
So bringing a, a full experience indoors, uh, I, I think, has a little bit more punch to it than it would, say, down here. I think so. I think it, it, I think it works at some point, but I think it's, it's got to be a very specific market. Well, imagine, I, I imagine, you know, there's still, even though there's not as much manufacturing in that area as there used to be, there still is a lot of business around the automotive industry that takes place up there. So when you have vendors come to town and when you've got sales meetings and things like this, this becomes a perfect place for you to go get a yeah. bite to eat. And then, but because the, the hard part about that sort of thing uh, when you go out to dinner for like a work event is always how long it lasts, right? Because you want to talk business while you're there, but you also don't want to just needlessly string it out. Right. You don't want to launch right into business and you don't want to be... Now, how do you tip at this? Do you tip based on the amount of time you were there? Do you tip based on the cost of the cigars? Because you're tying up a table for a while by the time you eat and smoke a couple of cigars. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you tip... Probably on the food plus a little. I would imagine, obviously, they don't have like a menu or prices or anything, but I imagine the food and the drinks especially because they highlight, you know, they've got Rip Van Winkle. They've got, um, you know, some very high high dollar uh, brandies and ryes and things like that to, to try. I, I imagine the pricing on their items would be enough that even if you just tip the requisite 20 25%, you're probably covering the cost of that Well, table. do you think maybe this is like, um, instead of being a meal, that this is like whiskey and tapas and stuff like that? Probably not. Yeah, typically a bistro is going to be soups um, or and small light plates. It's not going to be a full-scale meal. Okay, well, that makes a little sense. Okay, by the way, I didn't prepare you for this at all, but I have to, I have to get this off my chest. So, have you heard about the Michigan football scandal that's going on right now? So, I heard some folks talking about it, but I I came in at the end of the conversation. I didn't get I have I'm completely virgin to this. So, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan is accused of sending people to other teams that they were going to play and stealing their play calls, their signs. So, basically sign stealing like right. in baseball. But basically, he's being accused of that. And there's no doubt it. But when they said, oh, did you do this? The Michigan fans' answers was, well, everybody does it. That's the dumbest answer a human being. You know, I hate when somebody gets caught doing something. They say, well, everybody else does it. Right. That's So you're saying not only are you admitting that you're a crook, you're admitting you're a bad one. Right, because everybody no one else, else didn't not, get yeah, caught. Nobody else got caught. Is that not just the silliest thing in the world for people to... So, But he was... So, allegedly, he was actually sending players to join these other teams? No, he was sending people to sit in the stands oh. and write down, okay, they held up, you know, a grapefruit, a banana, and a pearl necklace, and that means they're going to run the offside 2020 back hatch, whatever. You can tell my football knowledge is extensive. You know, this, this is where I have... A, a little bit of a, a hard time. So, how do you police that? Like, if they are if they are calling, this is in grad school. We used to have teachers get really angry if they found out that you had a copy of a previous year's test. Do your job and change the test, and then it doesn't matter if people get a hold of an old, old version. Right. 
So, if anything, they should hand out the old version so that you have know a little better how the test is going to be orchestrated. Exactly. So, this to me is, you're calling play. Like, everybody has game film of everybody. So, they know what your offense looks like. They know what your plays are. So, if you're not changing up your calls that identify what play is coming, then you're just feeding it to them anyway. But, at the end of the day... He's performing a unsportsmanlike immoral act. I, Regardless of if they had it coming or if everybody else was doing it, he chose, I know this is against the rules, and I'm going to do it. So, I, I, you know, if, if, if he breaks the rules, there should be punishment for breaking the rules as they stand. Um, but I do think it's a stupid... Like, how do you police... They are doing something in... In public, in full view. So, like, how do you... Pl- are they supposed to not well, notice one, it? One, it's not in full view. Do You see the guys on the sidelines, and they're holding up different banners and stuff like that and things like that. Which, you know, I seen a, um, a commercial the other day for one of the technology companies. There was a football team at a school for the deaf. And they actually put a little LED screen inside the helmet that would flash up the play to the yeah. players inside the helmet. Why don't? Why are we not doing that at this point? Why are we still well, signing things in like we're calling in an airstrike in the World War One? Well, also the, you know, in the pros they have the little earpiece in the helmet for the quarterback. So there's plenty of ways to to fix this where it's not even an issue. Um, but I don't think it, I don't think it should be against the rules. Well, I don't either. But if it is, it is. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, and your only defense is, well, everyone does. That's not a defense. That being my point. That no, and I I agree with you on that. It's the it's the Lance Armstrong defense. But right. It's yeah. It's just it's it's one of those things that I don't. It's it's yeah. If you're dumb enough to get caught doing it when everybody else isn't, that's on you. But if you're dumb enough to let somebody else steal your play calls because you're using the same ones week after week and they're watching this game film like it's a full-time job, that's also on you. Well, but they couldn't get these signs watching game film. The game film is filmed in such a way the signs aren't showing. No. So they have they would have to make an effort to go particularly film those signs to do that. So it, it, it's blatant that they yeah. they had to go out of their way to do it. It's not like, oh, I happened to pick this up because I was watching the game from last week and seeing that when they held up, you know, a thunderbolt, a duck, and an egg, it meant they were going to run the four forty. Right. Yeah. I, so, I don't know. Like it's it's it, to me, it's a gray area. That's that's all it comes down to. Tatawate Anarchy NFT goes on sale. So, Tatawate. When it, so we had this article, but we had it with an LFD NFT. Yeah, and this was about a year ago that we talked about it. Right. So Tatawahe got into the NFT business, and they sold these six NFTs, and they went to auction, and they sold between $70,000 and $100,000. Right. Now these have been shipped, and the retailers that bought the NFT have the option to buy these NFT cigars. At $14 a stick. Uh-huh. And Smoke In has set pricing at the Anarchy NFT at $100 per cigar, or $1,350 per box of 15 
And Tobacco Plaza in Great Neck, New York, has offered them that $120 a cigar and $1,500 a box. See, that... First of all, anybody listening, don't buy this shit at this price. Like, it, it's, it's well... When these cigars were first... On, on mass market to everybody, they were $10 a cigar. Now, that was in 2015. So, $14 a stick is about right now. So, you know you're getting grifted. Don't let them do it. It's not that good. It's not worth it. Let's stop. Here's my question. So, you bought the NFT for an existing cigar? Yeah. So well, a previously released cigar. Right, so it wasn't currently in production. What motivation do I have to buy this cigar other than to just say, "Oh yeah, I bought the this is the Tatawahe NFT," and I had to go to smoke in exclusively to buy it and pay a hundred dollars a stick for a twelve dollars stick? Yeah, it. I I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why somebody would pay that for that. Tatawahe themselves have made it very clear it's not worth that. But Tatawahe's not encouraging them to do it. They no. just said, hey, we sold the NFT, and here's the cigars. Right. But I, I guess more to the... But I guess when you pay $100,000 for the NFT to, to get... I guess you th- that has to probably factor in the cost well, of the cigar a little bit. So you're making a thousand... Say you're making $1,000 a box. Yeah. About 100 boxes, you're done. Right. It doesn't say here how many boxes they're going to release of this, does it? Um, it'll be a continuing release, and they're allowed to order them. Okay. And they're also allowed to order a 75-count humidor that can, contains 60 Tatawahe Anarchies and 15 rare Anarchy Pale Horses. Oh, my gosh. You want to think of what that's going to cost? Um, each package was a 24 by 36 frame print of NFT artwork, one of a kind T DuPont lighter, and a Zycar Perfect Cut X1 cutter with the artwork on it. So, uh, I'm like you. Hey, folks, let's just not buy it this time. <laughs> let's let's just, just not buy it and call it a day. I think that's our best move on this. Is that not it? Yeah, I, I think so. Don't, <laughs> don't encourage this behavior. Let it be a, a sunk cost for them. Right. Let them, let them lose their butt on this. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what I would encourage everyone to do. Well, speaking of which, let's stop for a break. I don't know how we lose our butt on a break. No telling. There, there's no telling. But I'm about a third of the way through my cigar, and I'm scared that if we don't hurry up and break, I'm going to run out of cigar before I run out of show. All right. Well, let's, uh, we'll be back with more after this. Back to the cigar cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey, who I don't, I don't have a bump joke, but we're in a hurry anyway, so it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the way you put your phone down, I thought you didn't have one, and then you you kind of went into that like you were trying to find one in the thir- in the thirteen seconds it took you to intro the show. I, I was really hoping you'd do something funny that I could make fun of, and all, and uh, you just sat there and looked at me. You, not, not this moment, I'm afraid. You've kindly got this glazed over look. I can tell your wife's been out of town oh for a God. week. It's and also you, been just an absolutely hellacious week, both with work and then I had a migraine on Monday, which you know when I a migraine for me mimics stroke 
symptoms. Like it, it puts me out. I lose, like I lose function in my arms. My one of my eyes goes dark. Like the whole nine. And so, and and of course, I was I was home by myself with the kids. Which let's talk about kids for a moment and dogs. Now everyone knows that my dog is a handful. I've talked about it a lot. Monday night. After I go and pick the kid up from school at 5 o'clock, he goes to bed at 3. So I'm thinking, all right, I got three hours. I've just got to muscle through this. When I tell you that both he and Benny understood the assignment that night, we (laughs) sat on the couch and watched Bluey and Elephant documentaries for three hours, ate a little dinner, and everyone was super happy and went to bed on time. It was, I was so proud of both of them. Who who was the elephant documentary for the dog or the kid? Oh, the kid. He loves he loves elephants. I want to watch elephants. Well, that's uh, good. That's encouraging. Yeah. No. He um, he loves. There's so Disney Plus has um, one that they've done that's really great. It's a great way to introduce animal documentaries to kids because even though they can't really follow the story. But it's narrated in a way that they've named this family of elephants and how they move across the savanna and all of this. And it kind of flows through some of the, um, the hurdles that they have to overcome. And, and so, but it's, it's, it's really good. Well, you know, they've almost ruined documentaries for me. Because I used to watch animal documentaries. Right. I used to have that. Me and the animal documentary people had a tacit agreement. They would make a one-hour documentary, and I would watch 50 minutes of it. And the last 10 minutes, they could describe the plight of poachers and, and habitat loss and, uh, la, 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 and all the things that are going to cause these animals to go extinct. And you can just turn it off and ignore it. Right. So at 50 minutes in, I can just, okay, I've now received all I can from this documentary. Well, undoubtedly, they figured out I was doing that, and they decided to start peppering that crap in through the whole documentary. But it's part of it. No, it's not. It is. Hey, in not, I can guarantee you I can go show you a documentary from 1976 that said, oh, and they'll be dead soon, and, they, and they're still here today, and they're still because doing of, Because of conservation efforts, no, yes. because I turned it off. <laughs> they're doing just fine. I, I just, could they not just say, okay, everybody that... Uh, we've, we've done our documentary now. You now know how these, you know, North African porcupine mates... Um, anybody that would like to know more about saving these animals, hang around. Anybody else? Been good to see you. Thanks for watching our doc. Could they not do that? That would make my life so much easier. Well, it, it comes down to funding. Because a lot of the funding that these folks get to make these documentaries comes from conservation efforts. So they have to... And yeah, if, pe- if they find out that people are turning it off before they're going to... It'd be like, it'd be like if Coca-Cola sponsored the podcast... And then we waited till the very last three seconds to say anything about Coca-Cola. They're not getting their money's worth because everybody just goes, oh, here comes the ad. We turned it off. So you, ha- you have to do it that way. No, you don't because now I watch no animal documentaries because I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear the whining. And Why the does whining. it bother you so much? Because here I'm having a perfectly good day watching, you know, the South American Bob White quail find love. And they have to tell me how, you know, habitat is being destroyed. Can we not just let me think that he lived happily ever after? 
Must we bring the darkest, worst Look, parts of life to light at every opportunity? Then, then watch Disney movies, not documentaries. Documentaries are about the grit and about the there's, realism. There's very no, no, a good documentary you enjoy. Well, you, but you can still enjoy it, even if it has some some more natural elements to it. Okay, I'm for natural elements. Like when the shark eats the seal, don't bother me at all. And all that doesn't that bothers my wife. She doesn't like to see that. But but when they tell you about the shark getting caught by the Japanese fishermen for shark fin soup, yeah. that's when you're out. Don't want to know. Okay. Could care less. All right. Alec Bradley releases uncut series pairing with Rebel Bourbon. Speaking of could care less. So Alec Bradley, this is the second in their uncut series. And what they've done here is just pairing a cigar and a whiskey. Which, I, I you know, I really I don't hate that. I, I make the joke, but... It's Rebel Cask Strength. Wow, that was not English. Rebel Cask Strength Single Barrel Bourbon. Uh, it's a five-year-old spirit with a mash bill of sixty-eight percent corn, twelve percent malted barley, and twenty percent wheat. Is that? Is that I, I I don't go in for for bourbon anymore. It, it, is is that a new thing? Are they giving recipes now, like I'm, they do with cigars? I've never seen that before. I don't know. I would have liked that back in my day. It gives it gives the the bourbon nerd something to sit around and talk about. And I think they realize that's their market is the bourbon nerd, the guys yeah. that would rather collect bourbon than drink it. Right. And but here's my complaint: Why did they put a cigar that's already out there with it? Well, I, there's a lot of that going around. You know, we talked about, or we're going to talk about it here in a minute. And yeah, it's it's there's a. I really thought. When all of this with the FDA and the um, substantial equivalents and the, you know, all of the, I thought when all of that got put to rest, that we would see a flurry of new blends hit the market. See, I did too. Because I thought people were holding back knowing that they were going to have to da 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 And it seems like it's gone the opposite way. It's yeah. like nobody, the, the, you know, everyone in the town shows up to pray for rain, but only one kid brings an umbrella. Yeah. Like, that, that's what this is. It was like nobody expected to win the lawsuit. Well, I don't know why you would do this series and you not do a special blend of cigar. And and, but maybe, okay, now I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to argue the other side of this, though. All right. Maybe they did say, okay, we want to use this to build the market for the black market series. So maybe they say, okay, I didn't want the only way they could ever get this cigar again to be to have to buy this pack again. Yeah. So this way, it kind of fulfills your your thing of what happens if I love this cigar. Right. Well, you go into any humidor in the country and you buy it. Right. So maybe that is it. Maybe maybe this is smarter than we think. Maybe. Although, but the black market's just not a great cigar to begin with. That uh, that's where you know they could have gone with the double broadleaf. They could have gone with the prensado. Something that. So, uh, but maybe maybe it's really about the price point because I will say that's something I think they did really well here. So it's a seven hundred and fifty ml bottle and three cigars and uh, eighty bucks. That's not bad because that's you know those are what say they're twelve bucks each. Yeah, some uh, yeah something like that. Say they're thirty six dollars worth of cigars, so you're paying fifty something bucks for the bottle of bourbon. Right, and I don't know in, enough about no. Now is that their bourbon? Is that 
No, it's Rebel Bourbon. They're just partnering with Rebel. Okay, Bourbon. but I wasn't sure if it was like a blend that they made for this, or if it's one. Of, if it's also one that you can get from. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know what that bourbon costs, but I can't imagine it's much much less than forty. It's hard to get a a good bottle of bourbon that you're not going to spend fifty bucks. It, on. Exactly. So. Also speaking of Alec Bradley, STG stopped shipment of Alec Bradley Gatekeeper Diamond Press due to quality control issues. This seems one of those things is it's interesting to me on a couple of different. So the the gatekeeper, first of all, you know, I don't I don't understand where some of these cigar companies get the names that they choose for their cigars. You know, um, when I'm, I don't necessarily need, the, you know, the revolver, the rifle, the pistol, the buffalo horn, the what, like, I don't need those, you know, the kind of things that you think are, are totally masculine and the only things that belong in a humidor. But, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put the bison leather edition cigar in the humidor and you put the commie fairy fart and let's see which one sells more. Well, but, well, but the point is, I do think... There, you need to take some care into naming your cigar uh, to make it something that people want. Like, like you said, like the, the Kami Fairy Fart, it, or uh, you know the you know the the Bloody Abscess. Yeah, I don't, I don't want those. I don't the whole Cancer Giver. Yeah, yeah. It, cancer Giver cigars went out of business way too fast. <laughs> Gatekeeper has taken on. A, a new modicum in the lexicon as being a bad thing, a negative thing. So it just seems like just just, just starting there, gatekeeper is such a funny word uh, to use for your cigar name in this day and age. I don't think gatekeeper's got negative connotation. I mean, I want a gatekeeper. I well, guess it depends on which end of the gate you're on. Well, you're talking so in sort of modern parlance and in in. You know, online especially, like gatekeeper is is used as a term to de- to define people who basically say you can't like this thing, and le- you know you can't wear the the sh- t shirt of a band unless you can name three of their songs. You can't do like basically you're not a real fan if like you're not a real cigar smoker if those are gatekeepers. People. Oh, that- okay. See, I was thinking of the other terms. I was thinking of the terms of okay. I'm a high-powered exec. I've got stuff to do, so I've got me a really mean secretary that sits out front, and she's the gatekeeper. You got to appease her before you get a meeting with me. Well, and I'm and I'm sure that's probably more what they had in mind. But it, if you were to poll, you know, the majority of people, say our age, uh, I, I think you would find a, a a large number of people who used my definition first. I don't know. I think if you polled a lot of cigar smokers, you'd find more on my definition. At least in this shop, for well, sure. It's interesting because they really come from the same place, right? Like using using the secretary as the gatekeeper is the exact same as somebody gatekeeping a hobby. Um, but anyway, uh, so but it's I guess it's more more prevalent now. The other thing is, so this was a, a diamond press, which I'm really surprised that it's taken somebody this long to try and figure that out. It, that's one of those things that, like, unique shapes and presses and things like that is something that really hasn't hit the industry in a way that I would have expected. Um, don't you think you figure that out before you even announce this cigar? Well, and this is the third one they've released in a diamond press. Yeah. 
So you would think they would have that, but maybe just something about this wrapper. They must have rushed production, and when it got out, they found out, okay, this is not working. But it doesn't say, now this is a question, are the wrappers failing, but they didn't want to put that in this article? And they wanted to make it seem like, oh, the shape is just not what we expected it to be. Or is it just, oh, the shape's not what we expected it to be, so we're not going to sell them? I feel like it's... I, 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 I'm, I'm willing to take them on face value at this and say it's, it's really the shape not holding the press. And the reason I think that is, have you, you smoke a decent amount of box presses. Right. Have you noticed that they're not nearly at, like, you used to be able to use a, a box press cigar as a ruler. Like, they were a hard straight edge. Now they're very rounded. Like, we're not pressing cigars nearly like we used to. That's true. We're not pressing them nearly as hard as they were at one time. So I'm wondering if they just didn't design the press in in such a way to really lock in that shape. That that very well could be what we're talking about here. And, I, and I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt and say, okay, they seen that it's not what they expected. But if I do see these in a shop that happen to slip them in, I'm definitely buying them because they're a collector's item. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it only a handful got out, right? Did, Correct. I thought they said in here somewhere. Yeah, but I just don't a see handful it. got out to some retailers. Yeah, uh, but and I will say this uh, for Alec Bradley, who's typically fairly overpriced, to do a very unique uh, size and shape, twelve seventy five a stick. Not bad. Not a bad deal. But now let's talk about the. The designer box press sizes. I don't want my cigar to look like it come out of the Play-Doh Fun Factory. <laughs> I'm okay with just keeping it simple. Let's make it square. Let's make it round. Let's keep it simple. I. So, from a retailer's perspective, I get that because that means if you start, you know, you start you come out with a coffin shaped cigar that fits in a coffin well now you've got to find a place to put those on the shelves they take up more room that like so i get it from that perspective but i also like seeing what what's possible it's like the six stove yeah um it being the six sides gives me nothing it does nothing for me in that cigar no i it it's cool it's cool to look at. It's cool as a feat of engineering. But the problem is I have to buy a 6x60 to smoke it, and I'm not going to smoke a 6x60. Yeah, it's cool for a moment. Yeah. It's one of those things that's real cool on paper, but when you actually get down to it. It's also, and the, the picture they have here on the article doesn't really show any sort of... Uh, any sort of uh, indication of the diamond shape. So, oh, wait, I've been thinking about this all wrong. Oh, it's pressed into a diamond, like, around the length of the cigar. I was thinking, like, the cigar itself was shaped, almost like a coffin shape. Now, if you look at, I, I would assume, if you look at the picture on well, that's the top what of just, the box. Yeah, that's what just occurred to me, is that the box, are, it's, that, okay, uh, okay. So, it's a box pressed with one flat corner. So, it's, like, six-sided. Yeah. And all, and I'm, well, I don't five. Know. One, there's top one, two, three, four, five, six, or six. Oh, wait, I would assume that that's going to a point, and it's just oh, cut off by okay. the box. That, that See, I thought that was flat. That was a flat plane. Gotcha. Who knows? Who knows? 
We're, we're quivering over details. Yeah, but um, no, because so, okay, on that, okay, take it or leave it. But how cool would it be if the actual cigar was diamond-shaped? Like along the, so they, basically they rolled a figurato and then box-pressed that. That would be cool. I think that, that's, so that's what in my head I thought they were trying to accomplish. So, from Half Wheel. Rocky Patel's Seed to Smoke arrives at stores. So, Rocky Patel has created a $2.50 cigar. It's well, a, I think they've created a lot of $2.50 cigars. Well, they're, they're created and they're selling it for $2. Oh, okay, okay. So, it's a Cuban sandwich style, which basically means it's a whole leaf wrapper and binder, but uses short filler in the middle. Which... I remember early on, many years ago, when this when these started to be a lot more prevalent in the market. I was always a big fan of short filler cigars. Are have you come around? Um, I'm as long I don't care if it's short or long filler as long as the flavor's there. All right, I can be. I, I'm not going to be so because as I recall, you liked the last call from AJ. Yeah. Oh, last call was excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with short medium filler cigars. And I really think there's no difference in short and medium filler. I think somebody I, just said, hey, we can sell it better if we call it medium right. we call it short. Because then it, it's the, the Wendy's double cheeseburger. Right. Yeah, I was talking about that earlier today with someone. Um, so, Rock Patel Seed to Smoke, there are two of these cigars. There are two different wrappers. One uses a Honduran Maduro, and one uses a Connecticut Seed Grown in Honduras. So, they're both Honduran cigars. Which, being rocky, of course. And um, it's made in the El Paraiso Paraiso factory in Honduras. No idea. And, I mean, good-looking cigars. Well, and I like that even at this price point, it's a Toro, a Churchill, and a 6x60. The the three perf- the trifecta of sizes. I, I as I just said, I don't like the 6x60 personally, but it's popular. So you got to Well, do it. and the 660 is 395. Here's my question. I can guarantee you these cigars will never come into this shop. Why is that? Because we don't want to sell a $2.50 cigar. Because a man that comes in here and buys a $2.50 cigar is we're making a buck twenty-five off of him. We're made well, there's no money to be made in selling a $2.50 cigar. So I I get your point. However, think of it from this perspective. The A, you sell it bulk bundles only. You don't sell it as a single. And it's just if you want this, you buy the you buy the bundle. Two, the guy who's coming in here to buy a $2.50 cigar is not competing with the rest of you your humidor. It's competing with online. But is the guy coming in and the, but the guy that's going to buy them online is going to buy them online. You're not going to bring him in the shop. I I disagree. If so I buy cigars online. I've made no qualms about that. And I usually pay around four fifty to $5 a stick for cigars that retail for about 11 If this cigar is as good as, you know, any other Rocky. So let's say it, it, it tastes... Let's say it's as good as the Edge. Yeah, let's say it's as good as the Edge. I would absolutely buy it here rather than buy online to support this shop. The difference is, for the quantity of cigars I want to smoke in the, in a day, I have to buy online. Uh, I can't afford to pay full retail. Well, but I don't. But I smoke them at my house and in my car, so it's fine. I think that that's going to be Rocky's problem. With this, I think you're going to have a lot of shops that don't take this cigar 
just for that reason that just say okay i don't want a two dollar and fifty cent cigar on my shelves and i definitely don't want someone to go pay 79 for a bundle and hand them out and rob me of yeah, 10 well, people that would have bought 12 dollar cigars yeah no i i get that but i do think you know rocky has a bunch of lounges you know there are a lot of rocky sponsored lounges so i bet they kind of probably force the hand and i bet if it's good enough that it gets a following it'll start to move because Rocky's one of those brands that people walk in the door first time, do you have Rocky? Yeah. I mean, we do have people ask us if we have Rocky, and we always tell them, no, they just didn't sell here. Yeah. And But I don't know. I, I think that after, you know, two years ago, having never been around a cigar lounge business side, I've said, oh, this is great. They need to get these in immediately. But now that I look at it, I say, yeah, there's no way I'd bring these into the shop. Because I just, I don't. I don't want to sell a two dollar and fifty cent cigar. No, and, and I and I get that, but I think I think there's room for it. I don't. Well, let's put it this way: I don't want to sell a good two dollar and fifty cent cigar. I don't mind selling a factory smoke that's not a good cigar, right? And but people that are not going to smoke a good cigar and just want a cheap cigar to set in here, okay, I'm, they can have factory smoke. Yeah, but I don't want. I don't want a good $2.50 cigar in here. I don't want anybody choosing this cigar over a $10 cigar. Well, the good news is it's rocky, so it may not be a good $2 cigar. That's true. We There there may be hope. It's one of those instances that if the cigar is worse, it may actually be better for them. Speaking of cigar that may be worse, uh, wow, that's playing your side of the street. Uh, the tab- <laughs> From Foundation, uh, the Tabernacle Night Commander uh, is hitting retailer shelves, so... This is, well, this is Shane's pet peeve. It's a new size, same blend. Right. It's okay. So I can almost get behind this cigar because this is the owner of Tabernacle. How great is that label? It is good. Um, Malilo, he was, he was inspired to name the site, not the cigar, not Commander, after the Ethiopian Crown Council awarded him the title of Knight Commander of the Ethiopian State of Honor. An order of knighthood was established to honor both foreign and domestic people for their service to the country of Ethiopia. So he's he. whereas the British have the knights and sir, this is their equivalent, basically. Right. So, um, you know, how's Ethiopia doing these days? I uh, couldn't tell you. I mean, I remember the We Are the World thing. You weren't alive for that. I yeah, it was. Oh, Just was barely, you? but... Well, I remember the We Are the World thing, and they were trying to get it to rain in Africa and all that, and the, you, everywhere you looked, there was a picture of some star of an Ethiopian dude. Well, that, and that Ethiop- still continues if you watch enough late-night TV. Ethiopia kind of become the poster child for the third, fourth-world country. Yeah. So, is it? are they I, doing better now? Have I mean, they picked it up? Ethiopian coffee is very, very popular. So, and I, I don't know how their tobacco does, but they could be. I, it's not. I, I imagine it's one of those because we're not hearing about them. They must be doing all right. I like the story. Yeah. I wish you can't tell me he couldn't have tweaked that blend just a little so that it'd been special. Just enough. Instead, it's a six and three quarter by fifty-two perfecto. That's what makes this different, and it's got a different label, a uh, different band. Um, and it's got a different price tag. Forty dollars a stick. Yeah, that's that's pretty steep. That's that's yeah. hard for a tabernacle. So you're telling me that you've produced a cigar to honor the Ethiopian royal family that even the Ethiopian royal family probably can't afford to smoke. 
I imagine the royal family can probably afford it. You think it. they can get you think yeah. they can come now, up? The with average it? family probably can. Yeah, the average Ethiopian probably can. And also I don't That's know. a week's pay. <laughs> I just I am not a big fan of do and the, and it seems to be happening more and more often that yeah. hey, let's just change the shape. Is the cigar industry getting lazy? Is that what the the sum total of the knowledge of tonight's show is becoming? It it really feels that way because yeah, the blends, we're not seeing a lot of true new blends. We're not seeing a whole lot of new companies. And what new cigars we are seeing, yeah, they tend to be new shapes or new packaging and things like that. I guess so. I guess that's it. So, let me tell you about my Bocephus. The Ozinger family Bosphorus. Was it on purpose or no? Yeah, it was on purpose. Okay. Um... It was just enough cigar to make me want to try in an actual cigar size. What did you think of what you had? Um, fair to Midland, five, five and a half. Okay. You know, but I could see how in a better size it could be better or in a bigger size it could be worse. I can see that, yeah. I, I've heard really good things about it. I know, uh, well, that's um, Zach in here that was on the show with us like, wait, he's a big crown heads guy, and he said it was one of his favorite cigars. Yeah. Well, and, and having Osgener back back with the crown heads boys uh, is a good thing, because he was with him back in the CAO days. And I think this one's made in the same factory that Sokka's made. That all well, that's Sokka's a strike against made. it. But, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I give it a five just on the size. I, can, I, I really feel bad giving it a poor rating because it was a I size didn't thing. have enough cigar to really give it a good judgment. But brighten us up. Tell me about your Oliva. This is a five and a half. Um, I, you know, it, it's maybe five and three quarters. Like, it, it's not fully a six. There's... When you when you factor in like the retail cost and, and, and what it really does, like there's a lot of cigars around the same price point that I probably like as good if not better. Um, but man, it's a workhorse. It's it's a it's a pure and proper workhorse. Yeah, it kind of fits the definition of a workhorse mm-hmm. cigar. If you're smoking it while you're doing some work, you don't feel like you're missing out. You don't feel like right. you should stop working to appreciate this cigar. Well, and what I love about it, what I love about Oliva and what I love about this cigar in the line is where it sits in the line. Because you can start out with the Oliva O as your first cigar. Right. And, you know, just a very mild Connecticut, but still has some flavor to it. So you don't feel like you're just smoking air. And you can slowly work your way up through the G and through the, you know, and... Um, through the what's his name's reserve, um, and then you get to the V. This is a full-bodied cigar or, or medium full, you know. So you can you can really fill out your palate all within that one brand. I think as good, if not better, than anybody else. I think Perdomo is really the only other brand where you can really start at the the bottom and work your way through um, through palate uh, evolution. Excellent. Well, let's wrap it up. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast or on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you everyone for listening tonight. Until next week, have a great cigar and thank well of us. Mm-hmm.